I'm going to read some words um, from Philippians, if you want to follow along. It's Philippians 4. And we'll read up to verse 9 or so. Philippians 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, as I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Praise God for his word. Amen. Father God, I pray that as I bring your word, I pray that it indeed may be your words that people hear. Bless me as I preach, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a really, um, I, I, one of my favourite bands um, is the Eagles. Um, West Coast, California band, you've probably heard of them. Um, and one of their songs is called Peaceful, easy feeling. I don't know whether you know it. I'm not going to play it, but it's a, it's a nice song. But the whole premise of the song is, is that, that this guy's got, got a peaceful, easy feeling. And, and why? Well, the song goes, I know I've got a peaceful, easy feeling, and I know you won't let me down because I'm already standing on the ground. And that seems to be the entire premise of the song. Which, you know, as advice for Christians... I don't know whether that's going to be the best advice to get a peaceful, easy feeling, just because we know we're standing on the ground. So, so I'm going to explore a bit more about peaceful, easy feelings, but not from the eagle's perspective, but from God's perspective. I was reading about this um, ex-beauty queen in, uh, in Virginia. So it's American, of course, because they seem completely nuts. Um, her name is Tracy Lightwood. Um, she drove 250 miles with a hammer and a gun and some lighter fluid and matches to get revenge on her boyfriend, or ex-boyfriend, because she just split up. Um, she, uh, she faked car trouble outside his house and then 
went in to use the phone um, with because her, he lived with, with his parents. Um, he hit the, the father over the head. She hit the father over the head and, and, and kind of tackled the mother to the ground. But they managed to kind of restrain her and call the police. And they, uh, they finally, the police arrived and carted her off. And as she was leaving the house, she, they were saying, well, what are you doing? And, and what she said to, to the police was she was driven to seek uh, revenge because she needed to find inner peace. Now again, I'm not advocating lighter fluid and hammers for a way to find inner peace. Okay, but it's, it's an approach. Just like keeping your feet on the ground is the eagle's approach. But I do want to explore how we find this inner peace that uh, so many people strive for. Paul in, in Philippians that we've we just read talks about three things. It's a good Baptist sermon, there's three points. Although I'm, I'm going to mess things up because I'm only going to do two today. I'm saving the last one for another, another preach. So he talks about peace with one another, peace within ourselves, and then peace with God. So we're going to look at each of those separately. They're all bound together, of course, and to get the full picture, we're going to need to examine all three. Mind you, I think we're going to have a job, because it does say that God's peace transcends all understanding. But we'll give it a go. So, so I think that, that peace means being in the right relationship. So, so peace with one another, with each other, means being in the right relationship with each other, doesn't it, logically? Being in the right relationship with each other. Paul entreats us to, to be considerate about and at peace with one another, with each other. But the, the, the society we live in today seems to, to talk more about looking after number one, doesn't it? We need to fight and compete for everything these days, whether it's finding a dentist or getting on in your job. We need to, to, to look after ourselves. It's my way or the highway is a, a common phrase people say. Of course, in the church, it's completely different, isn't it? We're all Christians, and we're saved by the grace of God. And we have that in common. And so we're always going to get along with one another. And we're never going to disagree, right? That's... No? Why are, you, why are you shaking your head? Does it sound a bit like fantasy church? <laughs> Years ago, I used to play fantasy football. Uh, at school because everyone seemed to be into fantasy football and you had to pick your team and then uh, and then the, the, they were real players and you'd then see how um, things got on and I, I did quite well by literally, this was my strategy, I knew nothing about football, I still don't, but I picked the, the team, my fantasy team based on who had the silliest names. So I just picked names that sounded fantastic um, and, and put them all together in a team and they actually did quite well. And I was thinking, if we were kind of constructing fantasy church, what would we do? I don't know, could, could, you, could you consider kind of, I don't know, Pete Gregg as the pastor and, you know, Matt Redman as your worship leader with Hillsong as kind of the backing team? I don't know, you know, it would be a good church, wouldn't it? I don't know. 
fantasy church. Look, we're going to disagree with one another, aren't we? We're bound to. We're humans. We're given free will. We may all want to serve the Lord, but sometimes we have different ways of, of thinking how to do that. I'll give you an example. I, I, uh, in, in a church I grew up in, which was a Baptist church in, in, uh, in Whitton, Twickenham, at one point, and I was uh, probably about 19 at this point, I'd been a Christian for about five years, so I was kind of, you know, I was, I was okay. Been in a church since I'd grown up, but they put out a questionnaire. Well, there's the first mistake, isn't it? Is if you get kind of 11 Christians, if you get 10 Christians in a room, you'll get 11 opinions. But they, they put out this questionnaire about building an extension on the church. Sound familiar? <laughs> they asked the congregation what they felt about, um, about this. And the results came back from the, the survey, and it showed just how diverse a congregation we really were. So some thought that we ought to borrow money from the bank to build the extension that was needed. Um, and others thought that we should wait until the money was raised by the church. Some thought that too much was being given to outside missions, and that if we stopped giving to, to foreign um, missionaries, we have more money to pay for the extension. Some said the minister didn't preach enough about money, and that's why we didn't have the money to buy the extension. And other people said that the minister preached far too much about money. The point is, you're never going to agree with everybody. You're never going to get everyone to agree. Diversity is okay, isn't it? But it's how to deal with it in a church setting. You can't do nothing because then the church just stands still. It's like being on that escalator, isn't it? If you kind of sit there waiting forever and do nothing, you've got to press on to find what God wants for you. And in fact, the church, Whitton Baptist Church, where I, I was, waited for another... Uh, five and a half years before they kind of actually got anything done. So they literally were crippled by that questionnaire because they couldn't agree on what to do. So they did nothing. We need to accept in the church that we're not always going to agree. But the Bible's guidance on how to deal with this is that the church should appoint elders that are in tune with God and the needs of the church the needs of his church, it's not our church, and that we need to pray for those elders and leaders as they lead. Paul gives us an example in um, Philippians, doesn't he, about these two committed Christians that had disagreed, Syntyche and Euodia. We don't know what they disagreed about, probably the colour of the curtains or something, but it's interesting that Paul chooses to raise this publicly in a letter to the whole church, not deal with it kind of quietly to one side. Maybe that how Christians agree and are seen to agree in church is, is important. So what does he do? He doesn't take sides, 
against Euodia or Syntyche. He doesn't pull rank and say, you know, something like, now listen to me, I'm the apostle here and you've got to sort it out. He doesn't do that. What he does is encourage them to find some common ground and agree. When he wrote to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 18, he says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. So what he does is he appoints a third party, a friend, a peacemaker. In Greek, it's suzuke, which means to be yoked or even married. It's the same word for being married. Um, literally comes from two oxen yoked together to pull a, a plough or a cart. So he appoints this peacemaker to intercede between the two ladies that were disagreeing. Jesus says, of course, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I think, you know, Satan would love to divide our church. It would stop us doing the job of spreading the good news that we're here for. And we need to guard against that sort of division. We need to apply biblical principles to dealing with it and do everything in our power and in God's strength to be at peace with one another. So that's peace with each other. We move on to peace within. Peace within. So Philippians 4, verse 4, if you want to follow that, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So it's obviously important to rejoice. That's one version. That was the NIV. Uh, uh, the New Living Translation says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Um, let's pick another one. The English Standard Version says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It's the same. Um, King James, what does that say? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Pretty similar. Are we getting the picture here? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. How did you come to church this morning? Were you ready to rejoice? Yeah? That's good if you were. Sometimes I come to church and I'm completely worried about something. Sometimes I come to church and I think, oh, I didn't turn the oven on. Sometimes I come and I'm on top of the world. Sometimes I come I'm guilty about something. Sometimes I come frustrated about something that's going on in my life. Sometimes I come absolutely knackered. But what are we supposed to come to God with? Rejoice, with joy. Again I say rejoice. And Paul's words are, are directed at all of us that carry these burdens, whether they're 
burdens of tiredness or guilt or frustration. And he wasn't writing these words from his ivory tower. He was writing this in prison, facing trial and possible execution. But there's a formula in these words for developing inner peace. God really deals with fears and worries, and then we can rejoice. So Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, don't worry, let God handle it. So there's the formula. Don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And Paul's used this many times, didn't he? We know that he was put in prison, and what did he do? He sang praises to God. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So I sometimes think that worry is, is the Christian's most insidious kind of I don't know, you could almost call it a sin. We don't try to even disguise it, do we? Worry is so common in our lives that we're not even ashamed of it sometimes. And as Christians, I think we should be ashamed to a certain extent. We're all going to worry, but if we let worry consume us into standing still, then it's gone too far. So we come to church, he's Lord, we sing. I give my heart, my life, God with us, Emmanuel. We sing all the right words when we're here. But then we leave church and we forget that he's still with us. And all those burdens we gave to him in the service, we take back on ourselves again as we walk out the door. And I'm speaking to myself here. So what do we need to do? Not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present our requests to God. As I said, there's the formula. Prayer with thanksgiving. So a practical thing might just be, when we worry about something, on a, a Christian song. Praise God. Dance around. Praise God with thanksgiving. Pray to him. I'm pretty much guaranteed that you won't be worrying about whatever you're worrying about. Ephesians 3, verse 16, says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So even if we're wasting away on the outside, even if we're torn up with worry, if we're anxious and frustrated or guilty, we're strengthened and changed on the inside by God's Holy Spirit through his glorious riches. Isn't that amazing? 
Matthew and chapter 6. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? The words of Jesus. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So worry, when we worry, it's assuming the responsibility that God never intended us to have. He's going to carry our burdens for us. We need to turn them over to him. That's part of having peace within. So we've got peace with each other through applying biblical principles to our relationships with each other. We've got peace within by praying thankfully and bringing our praise to God and not worrying about what we're going to do, but by um, his glorious riches being strengthened through God's Holy Spirit from within. Next time I'm going to look at peace with God, and that's a big one, so that's why I didn't kind of try and fit it all into to one session. So if you want that peaceful, easy feeling that the eagles go on about, two of the three things I'm recommending are get our relationships right with each other and cast our burdens on God because then we're two-thirds of the way. Then we just got to get peace with God right. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that through your glorious riches we are strengthened by your power through the Holy Spirit in our inner being. And we, we just claim that promise, Lord, now. And for those of us that are worried or anxious, please, Lord, just touch, touch us now. Strengthen our inner being through your spirit. Let's cast our cares on you because you care for us. And Lord, in our relationships with each other, let's apply those biblical principles that Paul talks about in our relationships in the church and outside the church. Father, we know that if we do that, we will have that peaceful, easy feeling within our souls. We ask this in Jesus' name.